the Educated Ignorance Podcast on the For Frequency Sake QC Podcast Network. Recording a little later than normal. We're recording this midday before Game 4 of the Bucks, Celtics, and Warriors Grizzlies series, but we still got a lot to discuss. We have some fantastic basketball to go through. An epic Game 3 of Bucks Celtics that I was at, and we're going to discuss that a lot. We're going to discuss the series being even between Philly and Miami, as well as the Suns and the Mavs. We're going to see what all that means, talk about the potential jaw, the jaw injury that he will not be playing tonight, and what that means, and if Memphis has any chance. Might even talk some UFC discourse as well. Blake is in the building. We're going to have some fun with this. A reminder, as always, to like, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Tell all your friends about this. Uh, follow this on wherever you can get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Amazon Music, the whole nine yards. This is going to be fun. We'll get rolling here next. But first, our friends from the Textures. weekend uh, of basketball and hockey. Blake has been in the group chat over the weekend and he has listened to me absolutely bitch and moan about how every Stanley Cup playoff game has been a whitewash. So that has been unfortunate. But we have also had the pleasure of having uh, some pretty good basketball this weekend. I likely, I luckily Luckily enough, was am able to say that I was at what I think was the only real super competitive and entertaining game of the entire weekend. But hey, uh, Blake, we're back in the building. I want to start. Well, I, want, I guess I want you to kind of pick where you want to start. We have four series to talk about. They're all kind of in different directions, uh, but also few of them are in the same style direction. So I want to get your overall thoughts on what on everything. And then I guess you can pick what direction we go, what road we take first. Yeah, it's definitely been a wild weekend of sports. It's been a great weekend of sports, unless you like hockey, because it's been kind of but since <laughs> the it's since the two overtime game to start the like, triple overtime the game. triple overtime game to like start the playoffs. The, rank, the Rangers, the Rangers really, Penguins series has been pretty much good, but outside it, of that, it's been a bunch of it's been a bunch of blowouts. But yeah, outside of that, it was a good week for basketball. Basketball was fun this weekend. UFC was eh this weekend. Boxing was. Hilarious. Yeah, hilarious this weekend. This is just an interesting weekend of sports. We can talk about the UFC first if you want to. <laughs> let's let's just get the, It won't take too long because it was. We could, I kind of just want to talk about the main event. Um, the Rose Carla thing. It is what it is. I don't really want to discuss it. I didn't watch. I didn't get to watch. Did you watch that whole fight? The Rose one? Yes. Yeah, I mean, she is one of the most aggressive fighters. Like. In, a, in one of the, in the women's division in general, and she just she literally didn't do anything. She literally just stood there and she won one round. And then when that was the last round, that's because she was down four zero, 
so she had to go for a knockout. But literally outside of that, she just sat on the outside, and it it was just, it was bad. So like, you, I have never seen her that not aggressive. Like it was just she was just like laid back. She was like playing not to lose. I don't get what what Carla Sparza does to people and make them fight that. But way. that's the thing. Like she hasn't. This was her first. This was uh, two thousand days. Since her last time she held the title. She was the first ever champion. So as you probably know, when they had the first strawweight uh, title, it, they had a season of the Ultimate Fighter. They pretty much got all the women, the fighters at 115 from Invicta. Uh, and they had a tournament. And the final was Carla versus Rose. And Carla beat her. And then... So unless she was probably fucking scarred for some shit, whatever reason, I don't know why. And... In my opinion, I still think Thug's bet. I think Thug Rose is clearly better than her, but I don't. Again, I don't know what the freak she was doing. There's a, there's stuff about Carla that's good, but she just fight the all of her fights just aren't. There's no substance to them, you know, and I don't know, man. I because their elite women's fighting is really, really, really good. But usually, Rose is in that category of elite women fighters, and all of her fights are usually really good. Or she's like rolling people because she's good. I I don't know what was wrong with her. She just literally was not her. She was not herself. Yeah, it was bad. So Dana then came out that night and said, "The winner." Apparently, they're doing a Whaley Yoana rematch. That's the next card. Yeah. Uh. That's on International Fight Week? Yeah. Oh, my God. We might have to buy that one. That I, might be a... That's with... I believe that's with... That's the, with Volkanovski Holloway 3, which... Oh, my God. I and then wait. Izzy. Izzy Cannoneer, which that should be good. Yeah. I think Cannoneer deserves it. Izzy wants to fight him, so I think it'll be a fun fight. Uh, that card's loaded. Yeah, especially if Joanna... That's their th that's the third fight. Yeah. yeah. Whole, is it going to be five? They need to have the five rounds. They should, but... Probably Considering that was probably the greatest women's fight ever. A ever, absolutely. Oh, my God. One of the greatest was... fights periods ever. They need to have that fight five rounds. Because, I mean, you think they had Nate and... God, remember, remember her face after that? Yeah, she looked like dude from uh, Goonies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, apparently, they're going to say whoever wins that fight is going to get the Carl fight. Cool. They're not going to have road. They're basically Dana's not going to reward Rose a rematch for a shitty performance. Good. She so, shouldn't. Which then, if I'm, you know, if Rose wins her next fight, she'll probably be right back in line. And then we're either going to get Carla Rose three, eh, or what will probably happen, Carla Joanna or Carla Whaley three. Which let's go. Or no, excuse me, Rose Whaley or Rose Joanna three. One of those fights will happen for a third time, which I am. Boogity, boogity, boogity for. Yeah, yeah. So I'm for Because I think Whaley or Rose, Whaley or Joanna will starch Carla. Yeah, I agree. how they fight. So uh, let's talk about that main event. First off, I want to get your reaction. So you didn't know. I texted you, I think, at around 1, close to 1 on Friday, about Charles Oliveira missing weight. And I was telling you I think I would bet Gaethje just because he looked dead on the scale. And it's an emotional thing. You lose your belt on the scale. You miss a half pound, etc. We'll get to my actual thoughts on that in a second. But I didn't expect what happened in the cage to happen. And Oliveira got dropped twice, bounced right back, caught Gaethje. And just, I feel bad for Justin because he made one mistake. He got out of the initial, like, because Charles had him. He had the back. He had the gable grip. And then... He tried turning into like a reverse triangle and an arm bar, and then Gaethje flipped out of it. But Oliveira is so fucking good, he just pounced right on his back right afterwards, and then took him took him home, and that was it. It was too easy. He's a different breed. 
Chuck Charles Oliveira. What were your thoughts initially on the missing weight? Does it and does is this performance by him the perfect way to silence any talk about that and make you kind of just forget that he was a half pound over, which I'm not too gung ho about because I think in Vegas that would have flown, but at the end of the day, he lost his belt on the scale, but the way he kind of like that's one hell of a way 24 hours later to make people forget about it, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. That was I mean, that was I I never had a doubt. I bet on him. Um he he's just he's just built different so is you what did, he is. So you did bet on uh you did bet? Yeah. And you bet on Chuck? Yeah. Okay. Um I'm, I, if it means anything, I tell you to go against him when you bet, and then you go for him, and it wins. So okay. I, I didn't win. It's okay. Well, yeah, because probably any parlay you put together, every one of them had Rose, right? No. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I had Rose and Tony both winning. Really? Dude, Tony looked amazing. You should have consulted me about that. I would have told you to pick Chandler. I know Tony won the first round. Tony destroyed him the first round, and like that—that that was one of the most. That was the craziest kick I've ever seen. I, I know we're talking about Charles Oliveira, but I have to get. That was that was half luck and half skill because the the fa- how fast Tony was moving around that he just happened to caught caught him perfectly in the chin that was insane like that there is nothing Tony Ferguson could have done to not get kicked in the face the worst part there about, was nothing the more brutal part about that isn't him getting kicked and have you seen you've seen the picture yeah. right he looks like I don't it's terrifying it looks like a baseball when it gets hit mashed yeah. for a home run when you pause it right as it gets hit on the bat uh, the more brutal part about that is not him getting kicked but it's the face plant he does because he's knocked out and he can't protect himself, yeah. and his head bashes off the canvas like a basketball. That's, That's the scarier part. Yeah, I mean, he looked because you could fall like at a weird angle and like break your neck. And he die. was beating Chandler's butt the first round. Yeah, his fucking eye was torched yeah, after round he, one. He was looking. He that was looking like old Tony Ferguson again. He just got caught with a kick out of literally no one. No one saw it coming. I mean, it was just a crazy kick. Good on good on Chandler. I think he's good. Um, it just. I did not see that coming. I guess at the end of the day, your odds on that probably were pretty good, right? With getting with uh, Ferguson, Ferguson was a, a plus three hundred. Yeah, so I guess if there was one to actually live bet as a dog, I love Tony, and I, Tony Tony was good. Tony. I know Tony's good. It's again, he just got caught with one of the craziest knockouts you'll ever see. Yeah, and I. He, Anyways, but yeah, Oliver, he's just a different breed, man. I mean, Gaethje looked good, and then he just made that one mistake, and he gave him the back, and then that's where it all went to hell, and. Charles Oliveira just took him to town. There's nothing. I mean, once he has that position, there's nothing, literally nothing you can do. Isn't it crazy that Oliveira and his UFC journey, and we've talked about this a bit because you, back when he started, you were you and I were kind of, I mean, I've been in the game obviously for a long, long time, but you weren't really as into it then. But, like, he started back in 2000, what, 2010? He came into the UFC when he was 20. He had issues at featherweight because how big he was, he could barely make the weight. I remember him being on a UFC Fox card and fighting Anthony Pettis at 145 and losing, getting choked out. And, like, it was at the time I was like, all right, where is this dude? He's really, really young. So, we, like, if he would have won that fight, I would have been like, oh, shit. So for him to go through all of those trials and tribulations, he had those moments where, you know, what Gaethje said in the pre-fight about him being a coward and a quitter it's out of pocket, but it's not wrong because that's that was the old mark of him. He anytime he would have adversity, kind of would wilter, but then all of a sudden something flipped, and at 155, rattling off, he's now won 11. I believe it's 11 or it's 12 in a row. One of the two. I think it's 12 in a row now. 
but he's rattling off all these wins. And the thing, think of the last three fights. So his real prominent of like, oh shit, this guy's like big, big time, is was the fight at the end of the year two years ago. So the end of 2020, when he fought Tony Ferguson and he took him to absolute town. He won all three rounds, probably 10 eighths, dominated him on the ground. Ferguson had nothing for him. And then the next fight, he fights Chandler. First round, Chandler almost starches him. Oliveira survives. Literally 15 seconds into the second round, clips him, walks away with the belt. Then the Dustin Poirier fight gets dropped in the first round. But then after that, takes him down in the second and then absolutely obliterates him in the third and wins. Standing rune naked choke. Remember how vicious that was? And then Saturday, dropped twice in the first against Gaethje, one of the dangerous dudes ever, and then finds a way to win literally two minutes later. The stuff that he's gone through from where he was to where he is now to, to be able to fight to where he can go through all of these adverse moments and still win is Nuts. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah, no, like like I said, he's just a different breed, man. Like, he can get – every fight, he's got knocked down. Every fight that I've seen him fight, he's been knocked down. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's his loss. And then every time, I regret saying it because he just gets back up. He, Guys can't go and hit that self-destruct button to beat him because – and I'll tell you one of the reasons why is because you don't want to try to get on the ground to try to pound him out because he's so good down there. So it's like you try to go down there and then – Maybe he can set a trap for you, you know. So I don't know if that's something that gets in these guys' heads or not. But he's something else, man. Like, the fact that he can walk through fire and come out unscathed is incredible. It's something I've never seen before. Yeah, no, me either. Like, it, it is something it is something different, man. It is something exceptional. Great talent. Great. Just great all around. Who do you want to see fight next? Um... Do you want do you want the fight that's gonna happen? Or do you want the fight that I want? Both. The What's fight that I want is Oliveira versus Chandler for the belt. The fight that I'm gonna get is Connor versus Chandler. Okay. For the belt, and then so you want Oliveira Chandler too for the belt, yeah. And then I I don't know about that. Why not? Because I think Islam. If, if not, if not, if not that, then give it to Dustin. But that's that's the problem. That's the problem with this division is it's Charles Oliveira, and then everybody who fights everybody and everybody loses to everybody. Not Islam Akachev. But you can't just. I mean, you can, but like he's never lost. I understand. Oh, round. I under. I understand. Here's the thing. Has he fought a Mike Chandler? That has is he the thing. Fought a Tony Ferguson. Has he fought a Justin Gaethje? So that is the problem he, with him. Give Islam Connor for all I give a fuck. I don't care. There. Were, I'm gonna. We'll. We're going to get to that. So there is there is a thing with him where it's like, all right, so I think he's ranked third or fourth. But, yeah, he did not fight Chandler uh, or, or Dustin, or, uh, Dustin give, or Justin. Give him one of the top three guys, and if he wins, then he is very next. But right now – he was supposed to fight Benil Dariush, and Benil Dariush pulled out late. And I think if that – but he then fought Bobby Green and starched him in like two rounds. But if that Benil Dariush fight would have happened, because Benil Dariush is in the top five as well, and he's on a run. If Dariush would, if Dariush, and if that fight would have happened and Islam would have won, Islam probably would have definitely been the next guy up. But I just think 
So I feel like there is a thing. This is what's going to happen. This is I think it's going to be Chandler and Connor for the belt. And then no, Charles no, no, no. They're going to fight at once. If it's Chandler and Connor, they're going to fight at 170. That is true. They would move up to the weight division. They're not going to give a lightweight title fight and it not be Charles. Charles is going to get a – he's going to – because remember, the belt is vacant now. Nice. And Dana even came out and said, yeah, if he wins, he's going to be number one contender. And after that, unless he, like, got hurt, God forbid – there's no way that Chan that Oliveira is not fighting for the title next. And here's my thing with Chandler. It's like, yeah, he lost to Oliveira and then lost to fucking Gaethje, like back-to-back losses. I know those are two, dude, you know, the dudes, but back-to-back losses and then you win this against Ferguson. I think it'd be nice to see him. Like, his only two wins in the UFC are Dan Hooker and fucking Tony, you know. So I don't know if I really want to give him another like I you know what fight I really want to see if it's not Connor and Chandler, I want to see Poirier Chandler. Absolutely, yeah. That's what I would love to see. Mm-hmm. Non-title. Then it's like all right, if Chandler wins that, then it's like all right, we got the Charles. The problem rematch. is that I just don't see anybody in the top five that has earned a title shot still. So that's why it's tough. Like I I, I don't know who to give it to. I. Yeah, because you have Charles and you have the like four guys that are better than everybody else. But they but Charles all lost to Charles, yeah. except for Islam. I guess technically Islam and Benil. So you have Charles, you have the three guys that he's just beat in a row that are better than everyone else except for probably Dariush and Makachev. And I, I just do Demaru and then Makachev, and then the winner gets Charles for the belt. Here's the crazy, crazy, crazy theory that popped up. Or what? just say fuck it, and obviously... Connor and Oliveira. I mean, Carol Oliveira would roll him, but you would think. But what if Connor? I mean, Connor's the best first round guy of all time. That's true. Finisher. What if he at? What if he starched? What if he beat him? I, I and then and then. Do you want to know who would? Do you want to know who would be the happiest man alive? Dana White. Yeah. Do you want to know why? Why? Well, yeah. No. You want to know the crazy thing? This is what I was getting at. Connor and Oliveira. Connor beats him, and then. The son, the 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 illegitimate son of Khabib Nurmagomedov, with Khabib in his corner, versus Connor for the belt. Oh, Connor versus Islam. That would be. Again, I. <laughs> it would basically be the Connor Khabib rematch. I am not the guy to say Connor's washed. Connor is just the UFC has developed into more than just what Connor is. Yeah, absolutely. If that makes sense. There's like, a lot Connor, of dudes that Connor are better can, than him. Connor. Connor can knock out anybody in the lightweight division, anybody. But the problem is, is they all can beat him because he, one, his defense is awful. Yeah. Two, he has his no defense he, is two, nowhere he, near what it used two, to be. Two, he has no ground game. Nope. So Oliveira would roast him on the ground. Mike Chandler would roast him on the ground. The only uh, and we've seen Dustin Poirier. Yeah, he broke his foot, and I thought I think I thought he was going to win. But Dustin was rolling him, and, and then Dustin he, was t- beating, and, beating before Connor broke his leg. Which, granted, he got his leg broke because of Dustin kicking him and him checking Connor's kicks. That whole first round, Dustin was busting his ass. Yeah, of the second fight or the and he fight. just broke his foot, which I still think he would have lost. But he broke his foot. It was shitty because, like, if that gets out of the first round, it was so fucking intense. Like, who knows what the hell's going to happen? Yeah. You know? Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, so, uh, your – what about 
lastly, if you hold off on Oliveira, obviously he won't. By the time International Fight Week happens in the beginning of July, they they won't even have like an Oliveira fight booked again, probably. So what if Mac, uh, not Max, Alex Volkanovski wins, and he moved up. Dana did say to where to one fifty five. So Volk versus Oliveira for the one fifty five pound belt. I'd do that. It'd be fun. Yeah. Because if if Volk beats Holloway again, even if it's another one of those super close razor thin decisions, it's like, bro, you've had fifteen rounds with this guy and you haven't been able to win enough rounds. You know? Yeah. So at that point I'd be like, Well, what else is there for Volk to do at one forty five? Gotta move him up. All right, let's move on and talk basketball. Where do you want to start with the hoops? Anywhere. Anywhere is okay with me. All right. Let's talk since we uh, – since I think it's the best series going on, and it might be the two best teams in the league, uh, let's talk Bucks celtics So this has now become a series that is living on the razor-thin margins of how good each th- one of these two teams are. I got to witness a 1995 playoff game basically on Saturday Live. It was a rock fight. It was middle third. It was late second quarter. It was like 38-34, and I looked at Danny, and I was like, first one, 85 wins? I thought it was going to be one of those games. But then all of a sudden, Milwaukee got hot in the third, and then they got up, I think, as much as 14. Maybe or No, I think the highest they got up was 80-67. to 67. Um, But then Boston came fucking roaring back. They were able to close out um, and got it down. And then, obviously, they lost by inches. If the first off, let's just say this. We are at a point now where the referees in every fucking series, it seems, outside of, I guess, oddly enough, Sixers heat, Every it seems like every single game the officials are trying to be the show, you know? And it's crazy that in the six or seed, it's not because Joel and James literally draw the most fouls in, out of anybody in the league. But it's the, this Bucks Celtics game was just the. It's weird when you're there to watching it live. The officiating is it's one thing, but they absolutely botched the end of the game with Marcus Smart shooting the three. He was shooting, and they called it on the ground. But Marcus Smart does a great job missing the free throw, and they had three chances. Marcus had one off balance that went too high, and then Grant Williams had one that he, like, wildly tipped, and it went off, like, the top of the backboard and rolled right off the front of the rim before Horford got it off and had a shot, which was just late. But the Bucks survived, but there's these razor-thin margins where each one of these two teams is living on because the defense is so good, the offense is good at spurts. The difference on Saturday was Jason Tatum was horrible. He was horrible. And Giannis, be, bef, there, nobody else came along for the ride with him for the first 24, 34 minutes of that game. And he had that look in his eye that I remember seeing game six against Phoenix where it was like, all right, I'm fucking doing this myself. And he was spectacular. It was, again, so it was like, remember when we went to the Bucks bulls game and he had that he got that rebound on the missed free throw and dunked it and you were like, oh, he's about to go nuts. It was more than that. Because it was just him going berserk. So from everything I said with that, like I said, the razor-thin margins of the series are so close. And Game 3, it felt like, in a sense, came down to Tatum being absolutely terrible and Giannis 
being like, all right, I'm going to take this game and win it, and it still was the Bucks just surviving. But this series is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's showing. I mean, how just how good the Bucks actually are. If anything, um, it's showing how great Giannis is. It's showing how well built the team is. How deep the team is. You could say the same for Boston though too, because like with Tatum being so bad, and they had a shot. Yeah, but I, what I mean is they at least have him. You know, they don't have Chris. Yeah, and that is where they miss Middleton, man, because they just mm-hmm. don't get enough easy. And Grace, we're at the point now where I think Grace and Allen might be unplayable because they they are they are hunting him on defense, and offensively he's just not in. If he's out, if he's not hitting shots, yeah, he's useless. Well, of course, he got all those fucking points out in the damn Bulls series. Pretty yeah, back to back like twenty eight point games. But uh, but I mean it's again it's just testifying to the fact that the Bucks are you know the defending champions. You know they're still really good without Middleton. Um, if the series does go past five, I expect Milton to be back. I will say, though, I do expect him to come back this series, especially if it goes past five, which I expect it to. But, uh, yeah, if Boston loses tonight, I'd be shocked. I think Boston will win tonight because I think Tatum will bounce back. The thing, too, with Tatum, man, so weird. Like, he was trying to force the issue too much. So, Wes Matthews did a fantastic job of running him off the three point line and not allowing him to get shots. But he wasn't posting up. He wasn't shooting. Like, he would get around the corner, and they were allowing him to have these, like, little 12 to 15-foot to 18-foot openings, and he wasn't taking them. Mm -hmm. He kept trying to get inside and take these off-balance shots. It was so weird. Like, he wasn't allowing himself to, to do stuff to benefit, you know? Like, he was just trying to continue to force the issue and get inside. Yeah. I don't know what it was. And Jalen Brown was – it was so weird because Brown in the second half was great. He was great on defense and offense. Al Hordford was sensational in the fourth quarter. Twenty, I think he finished with 22-15-5 or 22-17-5, and, and he was great. He hit a bunch of shots. He had some big-time rebounds. He was pretty much keeping Giannis at bay in the fourth. Because in the third was when Giannis exploded. Um, and in that fourth quarter, Horford was doing stuff. He had some big threes. Jalen Brown was making some big things happen. The craziest plays of the game, though, I don't understand is the Celtics are down one. And Jalen Brown goes one on fucking five and misses a layup. And then, like, even at the end when they're down three, he dribbled way too much time off the clock before Smart got shot up. But, like, regardless... I just don't expect Tatum to be that bad again tonight. I think he's going to have a huge bounce back. Yeah, no, I think he's he's just a young player trying to assert himself again. You know, look at how dominant he was in the Nets series against teams that didn't really have, you know, defenders on him. You know, he got easy buckets, didn't really have to hit contested shots, you know, got what he wanted, got to his spot. But now you're going up against this veteran defending champions, you know, that have defenders that have forced you to go – left, force you to go right, force you to get to your spots that you don't want to get in, so then you have to take contested shots or shots that you don't want to take. He'll be fine, I think, again, like you said, I think he'll bounce back tonight, he'll have a good game tonight, but it's just a testimony to how good the Bucks are, and, you know, they take advantage of all the matchups that they have. It was This is the reason that I did not yet pull off Milwaukee as my finals pick, but... Uh, because when Giannis and the Bucks flip the switch, like they did against the Celt against the Bulls, they become really dangerous. And the problem in Game Three was nobody else 
came. Now, here's the thing. If it stayed that way, the Bucks lose on Saturday, even after they went up 13. Now, granted, they did end up extending the lead because finally someone did hop on the boat and figure it out, and it was Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was great. There was a point, I think, with about four and a half, five minutes left in the third when the Bucks were up, I think, 10-plus, and Giannis sat. And that was when Giroux finally said, all right, I'm going to fucking finally show up. Shot 4-12 in the first half. He took 30 shots. The craziest thing, Danny and I, we saw stats, and we looked at each other. It was like, did he really shoot the ball 30 times? It was like, yeah, I guess he did. It makes sense. But he was great in the second half. Inefficient, but, like, he was still make, figuring stuff out. He had some big threes. Um, he, he had the bucket late to put him up three instead of one. Uh, so he was great, and defensively, too, he did – as much as he could, uh, wrecking havoc on every single player. But that was what kind of helped them survive that game was that Holiday was able to give them – because Brooke did a good enough job in the first half, uh, but then in the second half when it was just no, – I, I asked Danny at one point, I was like, when was the last non-Giannis or Lopez field goal? And it was there was this crazy carom play – where it went all the way down to one end, and Jason and Tatum went up for the ball and got clocked, and then it was like at the end of the shot clock, and Hol- and Holiday ran down and hit one from the like uh, time like the uh, the coach box coach's box line at the shot clock buzzer. Like that was the last one. I think it put him up like thirty five, thirty four. That was like the last non, and that was for like a fourteen minute stretch where no one other than Giannis or Lopez had a basket. Yeah, and then Holiday kind of flipped the switch. So mm-hmm. they needed that, and they got it in game three. Now can. I, th- I expect Marcus Smart as well to kind of have a little bit of a bounce back in game four for Boston. So it'll be interesting. If Boston lost, I'd be a bit shocked. But, I mean, Milwaukee is so good. Like, if they did win, it would be like, oh, well, I mean, at the end of the day, they're defending champs and they're at home, you know? Exactly. Yeah, no, no, no. No, I, I don't know. It's tough because it's hard to beat the Bucks at home. So I don't know who's going to win tonight. I have no prediction because it's just, it's just one of those series that, you know, it's hard to predict game in and game out. But – yeah, I mean, the Bucks are showing why they're the champs, and the Celtics are showing why they're a young and upcoming team. So it's going to be a, a rough, grinded series, and I'm excited to watch the rest of the games. Let's talk about the other one tonight, Memphis and Golden State. You are burying the Grizzlies. Yeah, it's over. John might not play tonight. Yeah, it's over. Are you sure? Can I give you a devil's advocate reason why it's not, and then I want your counter to it? I can I already know what your devil advocate. It's more than just they were twenty something and whatever without Ja. Okay. Go ahead with the devil's advocate. So it's so that is one of them. They're really good without him. I feel like this roster is too good to play this bad. I don't know what it is, but maybe this this is what they need to flip the script. Where this whole series has been at an extent, other than Jaron Jackson in Game One and DeAnthony Melton to an extent in Game One, and then Zaire Williams had their best buckets in Game Two. With that, that wasn't Jaw. Uh, Jaw, of course, was magnificent. One of the ten to twelve best playoff games I've ever seen was him in Game Game Two against Golden State. That was spectacular. And even in Game Three, they lost by thirty. But Jaw was great. No one else. The problem is no one else is carrying water. And so I understand why people would be like, oh, well, no one else is fucking figuring it out. Well, here's the thing. It seems like when Ja doesn't play, that's when this team actually does the stuff that they're good at, which is moving the ball, finding matchups, using their athleticism. And they play like an extra 
tick up because he's not there. It's like, all right, we got to bring it more. So I feel like that matters, you know. That means something. And they have good wins this year without him, you know. So I feel like that's going to matter. And I expect this tonight to be their best game of the series because without him, I feel like they're they're going to know, like, we have to win this game, even with Ja gone. And I feel like they're going to bring it to, like, an extremely different level. And they're going to give Golden State all they can handle. Now, here's another reason why. I understand shooting variance matters. But game one and game two, I think, are closer to the norm uh, than what game three was for Golden State. Look, I know they got down 13, I think it was, early. And then they just literally went on a fucking piss missile of a run. Like, they went on, like, a 60-30 to 30 run from to, the, to end the half, basically. They missed 11 shots in the first half of that game. And I think they missed about the same in the second half. If they shoot like that again, I would be shocked. Like, absolutely shocked. Now, they might have one performance where, throughout the playoffs, where it's like, oh, it's their night where they're hitting every single dumb shot imaginable. But at the end of the day, now, I do like the Kuminga thing. I feel like he brings a different energy. I almost trust him more than Draymond because I think that there's a part where, like, Memphis wants straight like, Draymond out there makes them easier to guard in a sense. But also, Memphis was so bad defensively, and that's outside of the norm for them. I think they're going to be better defensively tonight. Now, look, I'm not sitting here picking them to win, but I'm just saying I won't be shocked if they will. And I think that there's stuff with – the I don't – like, Kuminga was great on Saturday, but do we expect a 19-year-old to be that good again? Do you? Like, I'd be personally – like, if he came out and had – close to 15 points or more in that amount of minutes again. I wouldn't be shocked just because of the type of player that he is and that he's always cutting to the basket, always. Yeah. And the Memphis just hasn't been good on defense this series at all. Like, they allow cuts to the basket a lot. They've been getting they've been getting slashed inside, and it's been bad. I've never but, seen them this bad defensively. But, no, I, I 100% I understand that. You know, they were really good without Ja. The, the uh, Warriors shot amazingly in game three, but, man, Warriors at home without Jaw, I, I just I just don't see it happening, and especially with Clay, Steph, and JP all averaging over 20 points a game. Now you have Kaming who's coming in. Andrew Wiggins finally found out what he's good at, bully ball on the inside. They had no answer. For, An- for Andrew Wiggins, they had no answer. Andrew Wiggins. They I, had no answer. I, Jonathan Kaminga shot nine of ten from the freaking field. They had no answer for Jonathan Kaminga. It's like that's the thing. Well, we're gonna find out quickly in this game if that if Saturday was the norm. And, and honestly, Desmond Bain been it has been non-existent. Yeah, that something's up with him. He's they said he screwed his back up in Game Six of the Minnesota series. They, that's the thing. They need him to find it tonight if they want it. Like without Jaw, he has to be their. I feel like their best offensive guy is a collective of dudes, like him hitting shots, Dylan Brooks hitting shots, Jaron Jackson being a fucking force. And they're also and they're about to come at Dylan Brooks blast. tonight too. So I just he had like listen, he was so bad in game one. He has to be better than that. Like he is better than that. I like Dylan Brooks, so I expect him. He has to understand he's got to be better than what he was in game one, and then obviously the dumb fucking foul got him suspended, which I don't exactly necessarily know if I agree with the suspension because he basically served a game suspension because he got kicked out like two minutes into game th- two, but whatever. Uh, so, oh well. 
he's back. They're, they need him, obviously. And now we'll see. You know, look, look. I'm not. I, am I picking Memphis? Eh, probably not. But I damn sure will probably pick them to cover. I think they got a shot. I feel like they're a live dog. They're as live a dog as ever. But if we see more of what Golden State did on Saturday, then all right, maybe this is the norm. Maybe we do need to rethink some stuff. And maybe they are. Maybe this is this wave of them absolutely just shredding. Maybe I don't know. Or maybe they will meet their match in the conference finals against Dallas or Phoenix. Who knows? All right, let's move to the other eight games. Uh, so we're through four games now of Memphis, or excuse me, of Dallas, Phoenix, and Miami, and Philly. I want to start with Dallas, Phoenix. So this series has been about... Now, both of these series are the same but different in both in ways. Let's talk about Dallas Phoenix first and and why stereotypically it's one thing but it also means something else. So the stereotypical thing is, you know, role players play better at home, you know, you don't you aren't moved by teams protecting home court, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I feel like for this Dallas and Phoenix series, I think it matters about how they've adjusted to an extent of how well they've been playing defensively. And I feel that their role players obviously did play way better at home than on the road, but they also switched things up offensively to where they had a really good balance of Luka Ball and him creating and then moving the pill to where everybody's getting touches and they're hitting shots. I think they did a really good job of balancing that in game three and four. And obviously I expect Chris Paul to be really, really good in game five, but... I feel like that for the Dallas, this is not a good sign for Phoenix because, yes, they are going home and they're going to have that home crowd rub. But I think it's not good for them that you you allow guys like Finney Smith and Bullock and uh, Jalen Brunson to see the ball go through the basket, especially Finney Smith and Bullock. They've been the two best wings in the series, Blake. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cam absolutely. Johnson, I know Jay Crowder's had some shots, but Mikhail Bridges offensively has been non-existent. Cam Johnson's been non-existent. Crowder has been scarce. So on the wings, Dallas, even with the couple bad games in Phoenix, they're wrecking them on the wings. Yeah, on the defensive side of the ball, they're wrecking them. They're getting in their grills and even shooting the ball. They're just, they've been lights out right now. I mean, that's what this Dallas team is built to do. It's a perfect team built around one star. One superstar, you know, he's getting his own. He's always going to get his own. He's one of the most unguardable players in the league. And then, obviously, the way he moves the ball on the offensive side of the ball is just – it's just a, it's just a nightmare to stop. It's a lot better when, like I said, they have the balance of Luka doing his thing and then they actually are moving – And they the have so many weapons because, I mean – Max Kleber shooting like 80-something percent in the fucking playoffs. Like, dude, He's literally great. cannot miss. And they found out or they found out in game three and four, like, all right, this is not a Dwight Powell series. And it's obviously better when Kleber and Bertans are hitting shots. Like, Bertans hit, like, his first four threes, I think, on Sunday. But so it's better when those are – when that's happening. But, like, it still matters. Like, you know, like, he can do that. Those guys are capable of doing that, oh, of yeah. hunting shots in the corner or coming off and them running good actions. And I think the defense will be better again. Like, you expect it to be good in Phoenix. Like, I feel like they're right there, man. Like, they are right there with Phoenix. This is not 
did I technically reverse jinx him by officially but unofficially coming off him as my finals pick a couple after game two? After, like, it was close and then Phoenix fucking blitzed them in the final quarter? Yes and no. But, like, they're right there, man. This is why I picked them to get to the finals. Like, they're – this is legit. Like, they are – they can – I think they can win this series. They're yeah. right there. No, they. I. This is anybody's series. I think they're both really good teams. One just you know has a star studded, and then the other guys have just great role players. And again, I mean, this is the type of series that we expected out of these two teams. You know, obviously, you know them winning at home and home both. I didn't expect. I expected you know one 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 whatever, but. I mean, this is exactly what you want out of a series. I mean, you got your all-stars playing really – except Chris Paul. I don't know what happened to him. Well, he was great in game one. He was one, great at and game, then game, game one. Game two, and then he was insane. He had – game two, he was really good. Game three, he had more turnovers than points. And then in game four, in he game had more fouls than points. More fouls than points. <laughs> like, it's just one of those things where I think this year has been only really rough on road teams this year just in general. Because even in the Heat 76ers here, road teams are shooting like 36% from the field. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is why, you know, Luka's, Luka and the Dallas Mavericks are dangerous. Just because they defend so well. They have so many guys. One through eight can all shoot threes, can all stretch the floor. They can all defend. You know, this is, I mean, this is what you expected, and I think this is what I expected out of the Mavs. So. And, and, and at the end of the day, if the games are close – or in peril in the end of games. And I know Phoenix is, like, literally the best historic team in clutch games this season. But it comes down to it. If you're in a close game, you literally have the Slovenian LeBron James for Dallas <laughs> going through and trying to figure things out. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, that's scary, man. Like, if game five is 90-88 to 88 with four minutes left. If Dallas finds time- a way to win game five, watch out. Yeah, like we're on. I, I like I feel like they I think we're going to I think wins I think t- tomorrow we're going to get the perfect combination of Luka going off and guys hitting enough shots mm-hmm. and they're going to get stops and I think Dallas really has a shot to win. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's on. So, let's talk about some stuff now in this in this Interestingly, not interesting series. I don't know, man. This is, I'm with it because, yeah, do I feel like the other series is better in the East? And do I think Boston and Milwaukee are the two best teams in the East and maybe the two best teams in the league right now? Absolutely. But Philadelphia's found something, man. And look, I, yes, James Harden kicked the casket up and sat out of it like The Undertaker on, on Sunday night. And do I expect that to happen every game? Absolutely not. But this is how, again, you beat Miami. You overwhelm them with guys that they just can't handle. They don't have enough talent at the end of the day. Like, they're deep, but they don't have enough guys that matter. And Embiid did enough so far. And Bam has been bad. They For the first time ever in Jimmy Butler's playoff career, he had back-to-back sensational playoff games. He was awesome. He had, what, 33 on Friday, and I think he finished with 40 last night. He was great, and they lost both of them by almost double figures. That's not a good sign. That's not a good sign because game five, like, do we expect him to do that again? He never has. 
Jimmy Butler is a superstar. I say this all the time to you. Like, what, there's that. There's probably twelve guys max that you can have as a superstar in the league. I would say he's a superstar, but he's probably the worst. He's easily the worst one. You know what I mean? So him as the best player on a team, it can do stuff like in the bubble, can get to the finals. But there is a limit because at the end of the day, you're going to run into teams with more talent than you. And their problem is there's so many guys on that roster that can get kind of weeded out. And you mentioned the shooting splits. I understand that, but it also kind of felt like Philadelphia was like, all right, go for it. Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, have at it. Like, knock yourselves out shooting 20 open three-pointers. You're not going to make them all. Like, you're not going to make enough of them. And what the the Sixers got good enough games from other guys and – they were able to survive some bad maxi moments. Like, he wasn't really good in the first half on Friday, but then he was excellent in the second half on mm-hmm. Friday. Yeah. And Embiid has been good, not great, but it's been enough. And then, finally, you get the Harden implosion on Sunday night. And here's the thing. Like, this Philly team can win it all because they have all the pieces that can be good, not great, but good enough. And every now and then, you can have Harden have a night like this, it's possible. That's where this team really, really becomes different. Even though he hasn't been scoring, I think he's been really, really good. Yeah, he's good enough where to where he just affects the game. Yes, he you affects know, he, the game so much. He doesn't much. have to go out there and get you 30 and 17 every single night, but he just infects the game so well and so just on both sides of the ball. Um, but, yeah, you know, we finally got that James Harden explosion. I personally don't see it happening again no absolutely not i think that was one of those like oh hey if i don't do something we're gonna lose but if this series goes seven one of these next three games and beats gonna go for like 45 and 20 that's fine because they don't have the the body problem the problem with the heat right now is jimmy butler is playing amazing yes just no, I can't say nobody else is. Victor Oladipo's been pretty solid. He's he's done exactly what I said he needed to do for this team to win it all. He's yeah. going out there. He's getting you 15 a night. Yeah, you you pretty much hit the nail on that. I he didn't is, think he, he was able go- to be consistent enough, but we're at the point now where it's like... I expect him to get 15 every night for the rest for every other game. The problem is, is Tyler Hero can't hit shots. He has been bad. Bam Adebayo can't hit shots. You want to know my question? Where the fuck is Duncan Robinson at? He the problem they have there is they you, are they, four years, ninety million dollar extension. He's played one minute. Their issue with that, and I look, I you need a guy it. who can go you out there. Guy, and you stroke. need a guy. Look, I will. I think he's going to play a good amount in Game Five because they are at the point now where it's like, all right, we have all these options and none of them are working Mark, to hit shots. Mark, Marcus we need Morris was getting run over him. Markeith. Mark. Markeith that's, still. That's how you know Spolster was kind of like, all right, I'm out of fucking options. That Markeith Morris is getting hits. And Duncan Robinson's not a scrub on defense. Eh, that's the problem. Because if you have... But Gabe Vincent isn't that good on defense. If you have moments where Robinson and Hero are out there together, Maxi and Harris and Harden are going to be able to put them in the blender on offense to be able to get make James Harden happen. can't. James Harden has – Maxi, yes. James Harden doesn't – Well, no, I'm saying, like, they're going to be able to get – Harden doesn't have the burst or the touch that he used to have. That's the problem. You know, if he still had the touch, he would be still but ferocious. But dude was just – in the series before this, dude was just dropping 30 and 29 off of threes and playing 25 minutes a game. Robinson. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, why all of a sudden are we just, like – 
Because I feel like they, the thing is, like they they really feel like Philadelphia is going to hunt them defensively. And I feel like, I think Robinson didn't play much at the end of the Hawks series because I think that that Atlanta was starting to figure stuff out uh, with him on the floor. But Philly especially, like ball reversals and certain stuff, especially when the second units are out there. Now, granted, Philadelphia isn't as deep, but there's going to be moments where they're going to be able to have Maxi get onto him or Harris. That's fine. Or well, even Harden put him in space to where they have to worry about him, like, pick and roll coveraging certain guys. Get him and P.J. Tucker and him and Bam and switch pick and roll off the – get him shots. Yeah, like, you need, there's the thing. I'm that, not, the I, problem, look, I'm not defending it, but gets, you're right. He gets hot. If he hits one three, Duke can hit the next four. I just – I don't understand – I get you know I get it whatever they'll hunt him, but like at this point, like, Tyler not good on defense either. No, but the thing is you're they're they're at a point with Robinson where it's like look, you have to try because nobody else is giving you anything, right? Isn't that what you're that's what you're saying? And we're at the point now with with them where it's like all right, so all these certain all these dudes are just not giving you. They're not giving you anything, so you need somebody to figure it out, and. See, I would be shocked if he didn't get some run in Game Five. Yeah, I think it, it sucks. But they're it, in trouble, man. They're in fucking trouble. I don't. I don't think they're in trouble. They've been without. The problem is, is that Bam's been getting in foul trouble. And they've been out. Been without. Excuse me, Dwayne Dedman. And I think him coming back will be huge for them. Yeah, Dedman missed Game Four with yeah. that illness. Uh, I think that'll be because I mean that's what they were literally missing that game because Bam was. Her horrendous, and he was getting toasted all game long. Well, and Kyle Lowry comes back, and like so, game four in the fourth quarter, or three in the fourth quarter, it's like up for grabs in this game that nobody like. It's talk about rock fight, like that game is low scoring as ever, and like the entire beginning of the fourth quarter, they're just running these bam. Well, the game is in the balance, like it's close. They're just running these bam Kyle Lowry pick and rolls where neither guy wants to shoot the fucking ball. And like in that situation right there, get Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson right off that screen will pop it. It's insane. It's insane. And then in game four, like here's the problem: and Lowry's just he's banged up. He's too hurt. Like he, they're going at him defensively. He doesn't. He's not providing anything on offense. And whatever it is, it's inefficient. Like, and I love Kyle Lowry to death, but man, because the thing that's the reason I'm saying they're in trouble is. Jimmy has these outbursts in playoff games, but he never backs it up with another really good one. Like, look, go look at the finals. So he had game three where he was God mode, and then game four he was really bleh. Then game five he was God mode and then some. And then game six they got housed. So, like, he just never backs them up. He's been really good in this playoffs, though. It's, yeah. Like, he's he just been... good, but though still he hasn't had back-to-back. He just had back-to-back games where he was insane. He was awesome. First time he's ever had back-to-back 30-point-plus games in playoff history for him. Game five, it's either going to be really, really bad or it's just going to be kind of he's out there on the floor, you know? Unless maybe he has just figured something out against this Philadelphia team. But that's what I'm saying there in trouble, man, is they need something out of this realm that, like, they need guys to hit shots or something. But, like, at the end of the day, I just feel like now they're, like, extremely outgunned, man. And I think Philly has them right where they want them, right where they want them. That's where I'm at. But I, I, would I be shocked if Miami won? No, but I think we're going to have to see something that we haven't seen yet in this series, which is certain guys get going, and I just don't know where the answers are. No, I get that. I get it. So, um, 
that's just kind of that's just where it's at. So uh, we've touched on everything. Any uh, adjustments that you're looking for each series? Like real quick, what do you what are you exp- looking for uh, adjustments wise for each team? What do you want to see as we get through game fours tonight, and then we start pivotal two pivotal game fives tomorrow. I think first series, I'll go Warriors, Grizzlies. What it is is there's not really adjustments for the Warriors to make, and there's not really defensive adjustments for the Grizzlies to make just because the Warriors are the Warriors. They're going to get their shots no matter what. But it's not. I don't think it's necessarily an adjustment. It's just the players need to play better. They're not hitting their shots. Desmond Baines being non-existent. Um, Jaron Jackson had one good game. He's been meh since. He's been all right. Yeah, he um, will. Yeah, yeah. Not not to the extent that Dylan Burks got one. suspended, obviously. So he's going to have to step up. Like the guys just need to step up. There's no defensive adjustments they can make. The Warriors are going to shoot forty footers every game, and they're going to make them. It, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter. Like they're going to they're going to do it. It's just you you just need to hit your shots. If they're going to hit the war, they're if they're going to hit their shots, you have to hit yours, and they just haven't been doing it. So I think tonight, it's really. Dylan Burks is going to need to step up. Desmond Bain's going to need to do something. Jaron Jackson's going to need to do something. People are going to have to step up tonight again. Besides, there's not really, again, it's the Warriors. They're impossible to guard. To an extent, but they ha- but they haven't been. This just not lights out offense in the, in the playoffs. I think there have been games where they've been good and they put up good numbers, but, like, I don't know, man. I think game three was maybe more of an albatross. We'll see. They're up 2-1. They haven't been playing good. I thought they played pretty good in game one and two. I thought both teams in game one and two played really good outside of, like, other certain players on Memphis. I thought game one and two were dead even, two really good teams going at it. But, yeah, I think it's way more of an offensive adjustment thing for the Grizzlies than anything. Yeah, because they got to find stuff they gotta without. Find, they got to find stuff without Ja, and they need to do it sooner rather than later because, you know, Ja is going to go get you 30, but who else is going to do anything? Because if Ja does come back for game five plus – I don't think going down three one is a death sentence, but it's pretty damn close. The, I I just don't I just don't see you winning three against three in a row. It'd be tough. It'd, It'd be, be tough. really tough. Um, then Boston and Milwaukee. I think the biggest things is they Jason Tatum again. I expect him to be really good tonight. And Jason Tatum, just the adjustment there is you just got to get aggressive. You have to get to your spot. Don't let them guide you to the spot that they want you to be in. He's not being assertive. Yep. He's taking the ball up, dribble, dribble. Then he's going right because he wants to go right, but they're forcing him left, and he's getting to a spot that they want him to get and not the spot that he wants to get at. He needs to be aggressive, get to the spot that he wants to be in. Yeah, Drew's really good on defense, but if he's on you, West take, Matthews him, too. Take, take him down. You're taller than them. Take him down. Do a post fade. They're, they're I, I'm be- not saying do it every time, but I'm saying get to your spot that you're comfortable in. Don't let them guide you to the spot that they want you in because every time if you're uncomfortable and you're shooting in a spot you don't want to shoot, you're going you're gonna to miss. Get to your spot, dog. If you get to your spot and you shoot and you miss – Oh well. Look, and there's the thing. There's certain stuff that the Bucks defense gives you with how they play defense. They're they're going to allow you to take. And I feel like in Game Three, it was one of the weirdest performances I've ever seen from him because usually he loves those mid rangers, but he was, I don't know. It was it was I don't know if it was the physicality, if that's what it was, because that was a that again that was a fucking rock that was a bouldered fight, not a rock fight, mm-hmm. but that was just a war. And I'm just you know it's like it's like yeah it's great you. Yes, it's amazing that you stepped up, you know, to one of the greatest scorers the game has ever seen. But now you're playing against one of the greatest players the game has ever seen. The same level, not as high yet, 
as Kevin Durant, but you're on that. He's he's on that same level. Show up. You got to mm-hmm. get on that level. Match his intensity. Match his aggressiveness. And Jason Tatum has not stepped up to that challenge yet. He was good in one and two, but yeah, in game three that was just that was that was bad. So, uh, and then next for Dallas and Phoenix, I want to see what Phoenix does to try to get some of that offensive juice back. I think Chris Paul's been really really good now. Da- uh, uh, he was good at home, and I expect him to be better in game five. But I think what Dallas did defensively, like I want with Luka being so aggressive defensively, and he he kind of took it personal how the how they were going at him in game three or in game two. I want to see how that translates now on, in Phoenix. You know, I want to see if they still make their lives tough in those pick-and-roll games. And if it does, then it's going to have to be Devin Booker trying to come out and have another kind of lights-out performance. Yeah, no, I think uh, Dallas made the proper adjustments on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, Jason Kidd stepped up, challenged his star player, challenged his superstar. Luca, the only reason he was in foul trouble was because he was actually playing defense, which is great. I'd love to see And a it. lot of those calls were bad. A, a lot of them were bad. I will say a lot of them were bad. Great. I'm glad. Challenge him on defense. That's what you want your superstar to do. He's been from game one and two to three, the different to three and four, the difference that he's been on defense has been Obviously, he's not a great defender, but just him. What, Night and day. what Jason, what Jason Kidd told him is, give us two seconds. <laughs> give us two seconds of light lockdown defense, and he has. And he's been aggressive. He's been really, you know, aggressive. He's just been aggressive. He's he's want that match. He's like, hey, Chris Paul has the ball. I want him. Let me guard him. And it's not just him. It's guys like Brunson, guys like Finney Smith. They're all they have to, up. They have to make the guard, Suns uncomfortable, yeah. like New Orleans did. New Orleans basically was like, we're going to guard you fucking 94 feet. We're going to fucking make your life hell. And, you know, props props to Jason Kidd for challenging, you know, all of his players. And it's definitely his superstar and telling him, hey, listen, we're going to lose this if y'all don't step up. It's defense. You got to use your defense. And they have stepped up to the challenge. And Lucas stepped up to the challenge. And it's really good to see for the Dallas side. On the Phoenix side, I think really the adjustment is Chris Paul. I think that's the adjustment. When he plays well, good luck. They also need eight in the start. Like, there's this thing with Aiton where he's great, but then there's these moments where he's just not locked in, and it's weird. Yeah. But they need him to really find a way to attack these small lineups with Berton. Make make them playing Bertons and Cleaver 35 minutes each, potentially. Like, that's the combination of 48 minutes you're getting out there at the, yeah. at the five spot. You DeAndre Aiton has to make them pay yeah. for that. And he's and a guy that can. We saw him change games in the playoffs a year ago. On the route, on the route to them being two wins away from a title, like he's that good. But that's the Chris Paul effect right there. You know, Chris Paul, you know, gets picks, picks the matchups that he wants, and Aiton is able to get in spots but to get into his spots. But when Chris Paul's just not on his game, nobody's on their game. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. That's fair. Lastly, Phoenix and or excuse me, Miami and Philly. I think the biggest thing there is the question of when is Joel going to have a big outburst, and then Miami, Miami has who's to get other up? dudes going. Who's stepping up? Yeah. All right, brother. We did well. Yeah, we did good. Yes, sir. We'll do. Uh, we'll do this again later in the week. Hopefully, close to. Uh, hopefully, we have. You know. Hopefully, we get four game sevens. This second round has been fucking great. I hope we get four game sevens. That'd be some shit. That would be some shit, and uh, we would have three of them on Sunday. So, but I, I expect all of these series to at least get to six. Yep. So uh, we're – which obviously two of them are already guaranteed to go six. Yep. And if both of the games go the way I almost expect them to go tonight, I think we'll get to game six. So Yes, sir. All right, brother. We'll see you guys. Yes, sir. We did well today. We will uh, see you again with Blake here on the show sooner than later. It's been the Educated Ignorance Podcast. We are out. Peace.